Hey associates. All right, so this episode um, is actually kind of two two recordings. The main part is a recording of our lecture from February 18th, so Friday, but then um, at the beginning, we're going to put in um, the uh, clip from Wednesday of Professor Montano like um, explaining uh, what his class project is up to and the collaboration there. Um, so that's kind of kind of what what is happening. The first few minutes is going to be that, and then um, and if you are you are not interested in that project or already there, you can definitely skip ahead um, about like I don't know eight nine minutes, um, and then we'll get into the lecture that was all about um, media training and going through some examples of uh, interviews and kind of unpacking uh, things like sound bites picking up on like how you can you know acknowledge move and redirect uh when you're confronted with a challenging question all right let's go back in time i i can make i can make nathan a point person because he's in both classes if nathan volunteers i'm picking on him um but he could you know say okay i have these students and they're looking for it and then we could figure out a collaboration effort so marissa has already taken my digital storytelling class so she already has the skills to create a great video but i don't know your timing and everything if you want to figure out to collaborate with one of them but then for you just pairing you up with a student do you know your business or your uh, what veteran services, services? oh that'd be a good one so yeah so um, that's just the nuts and bolts of it. Um, my students have to have this done by spring break. I know yours is not done until the end of the semester, so mine, the video portion should be completed sooner than later. So, you know, I told students that weekend before, the first weekend of March is like the weekend that they should have it shot obviously before but that's like they're because they have to come into class that tuesday and they have all tuesday and thursday to, to produce the, the project in class so um do you guys have any questions about collaboration or video or how it could be a symbiotic relationship with your current process so what I tell students is I want you to produce a video for someone who cannot afford a video, right? So would PVA um, spend $5,000 on a video? Huh? No, right? They don't have a budget for a video, right? That's the clients we're looking for. People who cannot afford the video, that's what we're looking for. So I don't want like the dealership I don't want like a lawyer. I don't want people who can afford this. I want people who don't, can't afford it, but need the spotlight, need the video to promote their cause, their whatever. Anything else? Well, you have to do one anyway, so it's up to you how you're going to do this. Right? So it, what's your potential client? Okay, so you could produce the video and then that's part of this project, so you're kind of double dipping, right? Or you could 
produce another video for another person. So, I mean, that's, that's entirely up to you how you're going to approach this. You have, you have kind of liberties of, of collaborating with another student and doing their video or doing everything for yourself. Hmm? Ken. And yours. So, some of them won't, won't probably collaborate. And I don't know if everyone wants to collaborate. It's up to you guys and it's up to them. But that's, that's the nuts and bolts. Okay, so, um, yes, from our PR perspective, right, we think, oh, this could be a great opportunity. Uh, what would be the best way for the PR associates to pitch their story ideas and get in touch with your video producers? Um, well, you could come to the class or we could start an email chain. It's up to you guys. Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9.30. Upstairs in 2035. I will hook up with you and get those details on paper, and we will debrief and make a plan on Friday so you feel confident and ready to pitch a good story so you can get that opportunity. All right. Yay! I'm excited. Thank you. Me too. All right. You know where to find us if you have questions. <laughs> the mask mandate, some of those like heavy hitters, because these are journalists, they do want the story. Um, but we just want to make sure to always be kind of prepared. Let's put a little more. Another talking point. The other one, of course, I have to mention is a brand new disc golf course. I'm an avid disc golfer. When I got here, we had a small nine-hole course that really was, I would call it a beginner course. Uh, and working with uh, a number of the uh, disc golfers, we have a huge disc golfing community, not only on campus with our disc golf team, but also in the town. They came together and said, Andy, we want a better disc golf course. Of course, we're going to help you. One of, one of my friends, Jeff Corey, uh, cool. helped me design that course. We put in 14 bags. So I would encourage you to, you know, listen to this interview, especially if you're going to try and get your client a one-on-one, -on -one. just to kind of get a feel of like types of questions, where they're gonna get, and you should watch this interview because you know, this is literally your campus community, and this is your president, and he does kind of share tidbits throughout um, of what the rest of the semester can look like and some of the plans for UNC. So that was super exciting, and I'm really happy for the Baird News team. Next. So, I want you to go ahead and think. Um, I, I can definitely gonna see an angle for all of your clients. They have enough to talk about, I think, to, to be on Bear News. So kind of think and go ahead and write out, like, what is that pitch that maybe you could make to our Bear News studio? Try to get your clients a little bit of this nice, you know, 10 to 20 minute interview talking about that stuff. We love that kind of airtime. Welcome to Friday. Some goals. Uh, we're going to talk about media training specifically for clients. Also ways that, again, as PR, we might end up being the ones in front of the media to think about. Um, and then we'll, we'll go through some examples of that. But I wanted to just start off with a little, uh, another example from my life because I like to teach through things I actually have experienced. So I wish I could make this even bigger. 
Um, but basically on LinkedIn, I was like perusing jobs and such. We'll talk about it much more after spring break and professional development, but this like lady who works at Otter Products had posted a position and in her LinkedIn, she said, you know, hit me up if you have questions. So I went into a little bit PR mode and thought, sure, well, let me ask a question. So similar to what we've even been talking about in class, again, you can apply these to your own life as we have seen. So right, I start off with things we've talked about, how is it relevant and trying to per personalize it a little bit, right? In her LinkedIn post, she said, oh, yay, I'm starting 2022 with like a promotion and a new challenge. So I naturally thought, maybe I can personalize it, show her that he actually read her post, started out with that. Next question, organize my actual equivalent, I guess, of a pitch. Hey, I have this specific question about the job position. You know, can you help me? provided just a little bit extra like context, information. And then I went for another trying to like personalize it again um, and just to kind of see what would happen. And she responded, yay. So technically, right, the goal of pitches is to get people to respond. So we see the formula, yeah, tested it out, seems to be working. Um, and you know, she was very nice and and, and as you, as many of you are seniors or thinking about jobs, LinkedIn can be great to build those connections. Cause then she said, let me know if you apply, I'll give our recruiters a heads up to look for the resume, which means I will, you know, get closer to the top of the list. They'll actually at least look for my name, which is kind of all we can ask for in this very competitive market space is like to be seen. Um, and so I was super excited. Just happened this week again, PR can be used obviously for brands, for our clients, but don't forget all these things can help you promote yourselves. Um, and so we'll definitely dive into things like LinkedIn a lot more when we talk about the profession, talk about career searches at the end of the semester. Um, but I was just super stoked. I don't know if I'm going to apply. Maybe also if you are graduating, Otter products like Otterbox, they have a lot of stuff, has a marketing position open that you could apply for. So check out their page um, if you're interested. But I was just really, really, really excited. And like, okay, so we've talked about, you gotta personalize things for people. And like, she noticed, she thought it was thoughtful. She put an exclamation point, which feels like, yeah, she really means it since we don't use a lot of exclamation points in our industry. Um, so big takeaway again, put yourself out there. Right? Reach out to people. You never know what's going to happen. And especially the closer you get to graduation, like you really got to be doing some of that work. Wow. I was stoked. Again, I don't know if I really want to be in the marketing role, but maybe. We'll see. All right. Any thoughts, questions, reactions before we get started? Cool. All right, so I want to really, really briefly run through a few of the online platforms we didn't quite get to on Wednesday. So as a refresher, when we're talking about public relations online, um, there's the 
kind of content that we often produce in-house. So that's where we start getting that blurred division between sort of traditional PR getting coverage versus PR mixed with content marketing and our social media team. And often, right, we're trying to set up different ways that we can showcase new products for our clients. Um, we might set up ways that we can celebrate moments, get some of that user-generated content buzz, um, interviewing special guests, Certainly, internal PR, it can be helpful to have video to attract some of those employees. Um, and so this is from uh, ideas from LinkedIn, but certainly all of these could be applied to any social platform. Um, as I mentioned on Wednesday, but I like rushed through it so fast. Uh, LinkedIn, right now, you have to apply to be on live. Um, and so if, I don't know, your clients even this semester, if they have like, a LinkedIn, maybe the high university does have a LinkedIn account. So, you know, maybe if there's something really exciting, swing for the fences, reach out, um, you know, to university relations. You could do it through their standard contact form we've already talked about and pitch your idea of like, hey, do you have like a LinkedIn live? Would it be interesting and make sense to interview? you know, my client, students from my client's area. Uh, definitely an idea that you can be thinking about um, really, you just wanna be, be spreading as much awareness and opportunities as you can to see what's going to land. All right, so Facebook also has a live option. They call it Live Producer for now. They keep changing the name, um, certainly, but what we really like about Facebook Live at least one pro, is that you can actually cast it from your phone or your computer. A lot of these social media platforms don't, without uh, downloading a lot of like third-party extra software, you're like really tied to using your phone. And that's just one of the challenges. We're not gonna get too deep into that really at all because by the time you get a job out in the industry, there'll be some new software. They probably will have updated these platforms anyway. But as you're thinking like for this semester, if your clients have a Facebook account, then you could definitely set up a live stream that would go through um, computer or mobile. And you can even do things like create um, an event to help encourage some of that publicity, let people know about it, or you can go live right away. Twitter uh, has a live option. This is one of those that are tied to mobile only for now. Um, again, without getting all sorts of extra extra things. Um, but Twitter also recently, this, this like past year, launched their spaces. Has anybody tried a Twitter space? So Twitter spaces is their audio only. So we might circle back when we talk about podcasts and audio. Um, and it's, it's a different experience. I like tuned into a few and it's just like, listening to people talk. I don't know, it's, it's kind of interesting, but that is like their new sort of live version. So they do have traditional video, um, but definitely we're seeing Twitter spaces popping up. And so you can like create your space on whatever the topic is, make it searchable. And then once you start a space, um, people on Twitter, like your followers get a little notification. They can hop in and again, just listen to you talk live. Um, you can add other people to it. And we see Twitter is really copying um, like, oh, Clubhouse. Did anybody try Clubhouse? What do you think of Clubhouse? No, no, no. <laughs> 
right? I tried it as well and was like, I don't know about this. Um, but we're seeing um, people trying, trying to do it. So at first there was Clubhouse. That's the one where it's audio only. Um, and at first it, they tried to make it like a very exclusive invite only thing probably didn't actually help its adoption and rollout. Now anybody can join it. Um, but now Spotify just last year launched, they call it Green Room, and it's just like Clubhouse by Spotify. Same deal, you create your room, invite people, they chat. And then LinkedIn just this year also released their kind of version. They call them audio events. Um, those are a little more, I've, I've listened to three of them and they, I think it suits like LinkedIn, if any of them will work, it will be on that platform because they tend to have right experts. Definitely I'm seeing people representing brands, also a lot of like researchers, like any of that thought leadership type stuff. Um, they're giving those types of people these LinkedIn audio event time. So you kind of tune in, you listen to them talk, you can be invited on stage. I like tested that out and went up on stage and like asked a question. Um, and so I think that environment might work better, but we will see. It's something to keep an eye on in our realm of PR. Is this another way that we can get clients noticed? Um, so yeah, Twitter, they're trying stuff. I don't know. Uh, and then Instagram Live, probably the one we're all likely most familiar with. Don't think it's really going anywhere. We see it a lot with, you know, celebrities often going live. Maybe they could have used a little more media training, but with Instagram, especially stories and live, uh, in PR, we kind of have the challenge of balancing this real expectation of more like kind of authentic, almost off the cuff content when it comes to Instagram live, especially, you know, versus our like kind of want to have a good polished strong message and so those are some kind of tough things but i could definitely see this semester for your clients um, and this would count as like a video opportunity if you did that um, a lot of your clients i know already have like instagram accounts a lot of them um, and so you know if they have like you know an event or like a q a situation or something that could definitely work for your for you to go live and you would just document you know the date of that um, you know, grab like a, a, a screenshot after it goes live, it will be saved um, in the like Instagram video archive. So that's how you could, you know, let me know that you did it. And then you would write the reflection on how a live event went and how you prepared and you know, how, how it was engaged. So I could definitely see this being um, an actual thing that you might work out with your clients. If your client doesn't have an Instagram account, again, because they all, we can make them fit under student academic success. Um, you can coordinate with my office and we'd be happy to do the live via our Unco Success Instagram account, like on behalf of your client. So think about that as um, an opportunity to get a video credit as well. You don't need to watch that today, but if you want to watch Adele's examples, you can grab the slides on Canvas. Uh, the last one is Live Studio from YouTube. Um, I haven't seen like tons of adoption of it yet, but it's something to definitely keep an eye on. It also can be from mobile or desktop, which is an appealing aspect of it. Um, and you can also, similar to Facebook, either go live right then or schedule events. Um, and so I, in my personal feeds, you know, have seen this being used a lot more for like, like musician 
public relations. You know, they can kind of have like a live streamed concert. I think we saw a lot of that, especially in our pandemic era. Um, but that's something that probably can stick. And as a strategy in PR, we can remember and keep an eye on, um, especially if you have a client working in, again, one of those spaces where it's demonstrating, you know, a skill or some sort of service product. So the biggest takeaway and like challenge, I feel like, is all of these platforms are going to change by, you know, next year, whenever you graduate, by two years when you're in your, you know, I have this client, and so you're going to have to do some research on what the platform is and how it operates. Um, but no matter what, like video definitely is not going to go anywhere. Um, and PR people starting to set up more internal video opportunities via online channels, also uh, a technique, a strategy, an area of our workflow that's probably only going to strengthen as we continue moving forward. Cool. All right. Now we'll, we'll go into media training more specifically. And by media training, we're really talking about preparing ourselves, our clients to kind of be that camera ready, helping getting them prepared for interviews, especially anytime they're going to be, you know, recorded in front of the press. These things will apply to, you know, if it's your, they're going to be interviewed for print, certainly like same basic steps you're going to want to follow. If they're going to be interviewed over the phone, same basic steps you want to follow. But today we're going to focus especially on preparing them for like that camera ready interface. Again, as, as one of the big things that we continue doing in our field. Boom. So, doo -doo -doo. some of the first kind of takeaways, like before we even you're like, we can't even start with your media training. You got to pick the right person to go on camera. If you choose wisely, things will go smoother. If you choose poorly, you might have a little disaster on your hands, right? And so choose wisely. The most important like question to ask, right? Your sort of action item is being able to answer, you know, who is the best person in your company, both for each medium. So somebody, you know, who is not super maybe charismatic on camera but maybe they could be really good to go talk to the journalist who's just going to write an article about them, vice versa. So think about the medium, and we got to think about the context. I feel like every, every slide goes back to like, what's best for the context? Um, but that's where our critical thinking comes in. So a few like general rules of thumb in mind. If it's going to be like a video, audio, go for your more charismatic people typically because that's going to translate a little bit better when people are listening um, and if it's going to be print or something written that's where you can actually tune into a lot more of your like subject experts we'll call them of course we have subject experts that are incredibly personable charismatic people they are not mutually exclusive but if you're really thinking like okay is it going to be you know this kind of just press coverage is it going to be one of those like video features, yeah, maybe you send your person that's like extra. Yes, I'm going to translate really well to camera um, versus somebody who like knows, knows like all the technical details, but maybe they, you know, are not the best, best on camera. So if it's going to be really technical, probably that's going to be safer print and written. So that way the journalist can help translate it into a more engaging narrative. The other kind of rule of thumb when we think about the context, 
if it's you know, more of a crisis, it's a really big, important thing, that's where you want your C-suite folks. And the C-suite, right, those are your CEO, COO, CFO, all the people that have a, a chief in their name, they live in what we call the C-suite. And so you don't want to bring right, your, your C-suite out for every single little appearance, because then it kind of, one, it will either make people think it's a bigger deal than like it is, and that's not always what you want, while also kind of almost, you know, it's like, oh, well, they're just coming out again. It's going to deflate the value. And so you want to really just be strategic. When do you need your CEO to be that spokesperson out there talking? There's certainly a lot of situations. But if it's just more of kind of a general update, um, maybe you can select a different spokesperson from not the tippity top. And that could even be you. So we want to think about like, le level of importance. So typically, we're not going to be sending like our intern out there, um, especially if it is like a crisis event that will look terrible. You definitely want the C-suite out there. Something bad has happened. Um, and so people will tune in and pay more attention to like someone with some importance in the company. Familiarity with the company as well. Typically, you're not going to want to send the brand new person because you know then it's like, well, what if they get some of these questions that are a little bit harder, a little bit more controversial? It's kind of better to have somebody that has been with the company for a while that can maybe stay in line with your mission, your values, your voice, your tone through the different things that might happen in an interview. And then, of course, you always want to be thinking about composure and confidence. So maybe your CEO is super camera shy, or maybe they get flustered kind of easily. You know, they're more of a behind the scenes in a meeting type of person, not so much a camera type of person. You might want to find a different C-suite person to go on camera if that is the case. And so one example I've seen recently, um, the Morning Brew, which we talked about Morning Brew with newsletters the other week, but they have two like co-founders. And before, um, one of them, Alex Lee Bergman was uh, like more of that with the actual like CEO. Um, and then the, and the other guy was like, whatever other position. And they recently swapped. And now Alex, who is definitely a very charismatic speaker, he has his own podcast, he's always like showing up on YouTube channels and everything, decided, you know, I think my value and role, because I have just a lot more composure, confidence on camera, obviously has strong familiarity with the company, he co-founded it, um, and is important enough that now his like actual role is, it's like chief, like creative officer, but basically he's like full-time spokesperson making all sorts of content. And then the other guy, and I don't even know his name because he's not on camera ever, is like the true CEO doing, you know, all the business side. Um, and so that is a fairly, eh, it's not even an unusual model where you can see like, okay, know your strengths. Maybe somebody really is better behind the scenes actually running the business. That doesn't mean that they have to be the face of the company or the face actually going out and doing these interviews. So as long as you kind of think, how much importance does this person need to have? How familiar do they need to be with the company? And how literally are they going to translate on camera? Um, those are really the, the connections, the actions you want to be thinking about as you prepare for interviews. 
All right, so let's think about how we prep our clients a little bit for this, for this journey. <laughs> so first, number one, we start with the big picture. Right? If you haven't noticed, big, big picture comes in all over the place. But we do want to have that overall you know, positioning statement. So every interview that you're going into, as you're helping your clients get ready for it, you're going to want to be thinking about you know, who is the audience? What do you want them to remember? How do you want them to react? And that is you know, going to change. It's going to change by medium. It's going to change by event. You know, a sort of crisis control situation is a different reaction that you are trying to go for than a new service or a new product being launched, right? So you just want to think about, take that time to actually write out, like literally write it out in a couple sentences. What is our position? What is the core of our message? What are we trying to accomplish? And then you build the rest of your media training, the rest of your plan for this interview around that position statement. Then, once you have that position statement, you know kind of what the message is going to be. You want to, again, literally write out so you know what they are and you can train your client to remember them as well. The stories that are going to help the audience visualize the message and even make it stick. Right? And so, you know, if we're talking about a video interview and in some of these more traditional interview settings, Maybe they have B-roll they're like putting over it, but maybe it's more of a live interview. And so you want your charismatic person on camera to enhance that with actually telling some stories. You don't want them just always spouting off like statements, facts. We just don't remember that as well. Like as people, we tend to remember stories a lot more than just information, uh, which is why a great kind of study tool is to try to think of an actual example write it like a little story in your notes so that way you remember, oh yes, that story of the morning brew people is a great example of why charisma and subject matter experts can be different, right? So think about the stories. They should be, you know, short, they should resonate. Stories are gonna change depending on the position, depending on the audience, depending on what your goals are going to be. But, you know, take some time. And this is where you're gonna be, you know, working with the client so they aren't just, you know, don't make up a story. Maybe you embellish it a little, but like eh, it should be real so your client remembers it and can give it that authenticity. So work with them to kind of think like, okay, have you, you know, tell us a story of when you were founding this company, you know, we all remember like Steve Jobs working out of his garage with Macintosh, all that, like that's a story. Remember about the company and he's told that story or, you know, told that story when they were building it. So think about what's gonna help them stick, find something good to like resonate with. Then within stories, we can also think about things like sound bites. I'm sure you've heard that word. At the end of the day, a sound bite is really just a kind of pithy sort of memorable statement. Think of it like, you know, a song lyric. Um, usually the bridge of a song is what we could consider a sound bite. The one like line that just always is stuck in your head. You're like, ah, I cannot get it out. For me, I've watched Encanto numerous times already. There's some real box in it, but always for like a while, Dolores when she's like talking about how she could always hear him sort of muttering and mumbling. And then it's like, that's just like the sound bite stuck in my head about Bruno muttering and mumbling and stumbling around. 
right? So think about song lyric equals sound bite. And you want to try to pull out sound bites and kind of honestly write them out, help your client practice what that sound bite's going to be so that way it actually is delivered, right, with clarity, strength, and has a chance of getting picked up. And so, I don't know, they can be a little longer, but a lot of sound bites, especially today, think a headline, right? nine words sort of max and you can like fit it in so that way we can fit it into a headline one journalist could pick up your sound bite and literally like run with it in their articles um, and it just makes it easier to remember your social media team if you can get a nice tight sound bite could then put it as a quote on like an instagram post right for example um, so that's really why they become so helpful and important and then the last kind of third key thing to prepare your clients is actually practice. Right? We just want to practice. Literally, it's, it's not too complicated. Just run through it with them. So a few things. If it is going to be an on-camera interview, uh, practice with you know, a camera there. A lot of people... You know, it's like they're fine just talking, but then as soon as like a camera is like around them on their face, right, they just get a little, little clammy, get nervous. It's just a thing that often happens. Um, and you know, our clients probably aren't gonna have things like journalism, you know, degrees and training and have been on camera as much. So if you're practicing, like literally set up a camera and record so they can kind of get used to that environment. If it's gonna be a phone interview, maybe you do some practice rounds like asking them questions on the phone, right? Just set up the environment to get them more used to it. Can be really helpful if you have someone that's definitely new or like nervous about the interview. Uh, then we wanna also do things like withhold some hard questions. We're gonna talk a lot more about that in a, a couple slides, but of course interviews, right? You typically have some set questions that you're like, yes, journalists, we will answer these questions and you prep with them, you know what's gonna be asked. That is standard, but there's going to be some questions that the journalist is going to want to ask. And yeah, you might say, oh, I don't want to talk about that. But they also might ask you about that anyway. Right? So we always want to be prepared and make sure that they're prepped. And so you'll have your list and have some of those hard questions that they are prepared for. But it can be helpful, like you and your media training, hold back a couple of them. Like literally just don't tell your client you're going to ask them. Then in the practice round, ask them and to kind of see how they react. And that's a great chance to kind of debrief um, and help prepare them for, again, what it's actually going to be like when they get a question that's not quite what they expected. It won't be the first time they've ever been like blindsided by a question. A lot better to do it in our practice environment than when they're out there for the first time. And then when you're writing questions, you can also um, uh, have like other people like have your interns or things try to write hard questions um, so that way everyone can be surprised. Now when it comes to some of those hard questions what we want to practice with them is what we call move responses. So one of the key things whenever you are getting a question and this counts for like your career interviews too you can remember this again PR can be used for our personal lives too. So we want to kind of follow this principle of acknowledge, move, and then redirect, right? So we want to acknowledge the question, the context. We don't just want to be like, nah, let me answer something else, right? Because then that's where we get a lot of people being like, oh, that's a politician's answer. That kind of no comment, I'm just going to completely ignore it and say my own thing. 
people understand what's going on. Right? So instead, it can be better if we acknowledge, oh, you know what, that is a great question. Now, you're right. The, I don't know, whatever's happening. Wages in our company you know, is a challenge for many people. Then we can help them move. And that's where you want to kind of pivot, say, okay, I acknowledge people are complaining about wages in our company. And we have formed, you know, a committee to look into it. We are doing research. We are reevaluating our pricing. And then you can redirect it to something more comfortable for the client. And so you might redirect it to you. And we're really excited to announce our new benefits package. And that's the message. You want to talk about all the benefits to help, you know, detract from the low wages. Make sense? So we just want to acknowledge, yes, we recognize people are unhappy about our wages. We want to move it towards a new area. So we recognize low wages. We are reevaluating our practices and then redirect. And we're so excited to announce our new leave benefits. Right? Boop, boop, boop. Acknowledge, move, redirect. We love it. So now, um, thinking about kind of those aspects, we're going to listen to a couple clips from different interviews. Uh, this is one we had started on Wednesday, but there's a very specific point we're going to watch just a couple minutes. Um, and so I want you to listen specifically in this case for something you would consider a sound bite. All right, so we're thinking about as you're prepping, you want to write sound bites. So just kind of listen to what might have been a sound bite that probably the NASA PR people were like, you should say this. All right, so take a listen um, for a sound bite from our NASA folks. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I'd already had it started. It did. Okay. And yes, this is me many, many a year ago, I think 2016. Do, do, do. Play. Oh no. You know, that's a good question. I like to say that, uh, that fear is our responsibility unknown. And we train and train and train. So I spent two and a half years training to become, uh, from becoming an astronaut candidate to an astronaut. And then I trained another two and a half years for this mission. So that's about five years of training. This first part of space. And we essentially train out here and there. So if there's a fire, if there's a depressurization, if there's uh, a release of toxic gas into the atmosphere, we know how to, well, we kind of know how to respond to all of that almost without thinking about it because we've done it so much. Um, there are definitely periods of time uh, that are more dynamic than a the launch, the landing, doing a spacewalk, where there's a, maybe an element of uh, still a little bit of but uh, I think that our, our folks on the ground, our team on the ground, both in training and even the ground support team do a great job of preparing for the flight so that we can encounter fear Do you want to listen to the clip again? Or do you feel like you have an idea of a sound bite? Thumbs up if you want to listen one more time. OK, we'll get there one more time. Yeah, just like what could be a soundbite that maybe somebody was like, hey, you should try to work this in. Oop. You know, that's a good question. I like to say that, uh, that fear is our response to the unknown. And we train and 
training and training. So I spent two and a half years training just to become, uh, from becoming an astronaut candidate to an astronaut. And then I trained another two and a half years for this mission. So that's about five years of training for this, this first flight in space. And we essentially train out the unknown. So if there's a fire, if there's a depressurization, if there's uh, a release of toxic gas in the atmosphere, we know how to, we kind of know how to respond to all of that almost without thinking about it because we've done it so much. Um, there are definitely periods of time uh, that are more dynamic than a set of launch, the landing, doing a spacewalk, where there's a maybe an element of uh, still a little bit of unknown out there. But uh, I think that our, our folks on the ground, our team on the ground, both in training and even the ground support team, do a great job of preparing for flight so that we don't have a fear as much as we can. All right. Boop. So go ahead and write down, enter what, what you thought uh, would make either a good sound bite, you know, or in that response again, the question, I'm sure astronauts all the time, right, get the question, are you ever afraid? Like, how do you prepare? Um, and so this is definitely the type of question that he would have been trained to answer. Uh, and a great opportunity for probably a sound bite, something that someone said, oh yeah, you should, you know, do this. Say this, this will work really well. And you can think about how, you know, a lot of sound bites, especially in our much more, you know, synergetic age, we like to recycle them on, you know, blogs, on our, you know, social media, places on posters, on merchandise, things that can be really, really great. Yeah, so it sounds like we have some real consensus uh, along the lines of fear in the unknown. Fear in the unknown. Yes, that's, that's exactly what I like pulled out as well. I also pulled out and thought um, specifically that they train out the unknown. Felt very much in line with like, you know, NASA's kind of vision and values and like the prestige of like what astronauts go through. Uh, so yeah, definitely as you are, you know, working, working with clients, you always want to be thinking about like, hmm, what is something like people will remember and then, you know, associate. And one thing that, you know, I think we culturally and NASA, I'm sure, right, wants people to associate our astronauts with is this, you know, courageous, sort of very disciplined, prepared, you know, group of people. That's kind of part of the prestige of being an astronaut. So yeah, I think that you all picked out um, a great one. And the fact that you all kind of picked up on the same thing speaks to what a soundbite is. Right? It's the thing that you remember when you listen to something. Cool. All right. So thinking a little bit more about like identifying difficult questions and thinking about that. So a few ways that we can go about really identifying those for the clients is first, right, you want to know the journalist's work and how they have interviewed other people before. Um, especially in the world of like TV, if you're preparing for one of those shows, it's like usually they have their main, the like interviewer, right? You think of Barbara Walters and Anderson Cooper and like all those people that like, you know, they're like the anchors that do the big interviews. Um, but the same goes for like our local stations. Usually there's gonna be like one or two people who's kind of their like go-to interview folks. Um, and so in part of your prep work, you wanna be watching back those interviews and trying to understand like 
how that journalist likes to operate, what types of questions um, you know, you like to, they like to sneak in there, just how do they tend to interact, and then you're going to help prepare your client with that information. Um, so part of that is coming into like the research phase, you're gonna do a little research, you're gonna pull out the action items, right, the big picture of that journalist style. Second, you're gonna to want to update your situation analysis. You, right, we all already did one for our general client situation, the general campaign, but then we get into the actual interview. You'll just wanna revisit that and make sure you know, nothing's changed about the environment, the climate. Uh, going back to PESTEL, right, of course being political, Right, if you're going on an interview, one of the best places for like hard questions to come up is like, does your client, your company, this thing butt up against any shifts in like the political climate, um, any new like laws coming out? Um, those could be great like challenge questions. Uh, economic, social, tech, or environmental. So just think about, is there anything happening out in the situation that could create a really good question that like, you want to be prepared to acknowledge, move, and then redirect away from. And then last, yeah, ask just other people. Like, think of as many as you can, but then it can always be useful. Just like, go ask. This is where, yeah, your interns can be so helpful. Be like, hey, what do you, what would, if you could talk to our CEO, what would you ask him? And you could get some really insightful questions coming up that like no else on the team would have thought of because we're so entrenched in it. So there's a few kind of three ways to come up with difficult questions. Really put yourselves in the mind of like, what is something hard that you should ask? And even if it feels a little outlandish, feed it to your client. Be prepared just so that way they are not surprised. So now we're gonna watch um, a little clip um, from our Bear News friends. We watched a little bit of it before, but specifically this time I want you to Pay attention and think about how President Feinstein does or does not acknowledge, move, and redirect to the question. I think that the evolution of the curriculum is something that we need to spend some time on this campus. It has to be driven uh, uh, early for, uh, for German and French and the students that are interested in taking. So there's been uh, some in the programs overall over a long period of time. I think right now, and, 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 and I, I could be mistaken, but I have been told Okay, here we go. another spike in cases. What would you do to kind of So, hard question. COVID spiking cases. I'm done with the pandemic. I'm done with Omicron. I'm done with Delta. The good news is this. I think that the, the data is showing that we are on the tail end of the pandemic. And we're on the tail end of Omicron. Not to say that it's going to be completely gone. Right. But we have seen a precipitous decline in the number of cases, even the last couple of weeks, down by over 30 or 40 percent, just in the last couple of weeks. Right. I think you'll see uh, in the state and uh, a continued uh, reduction of mandates, light masks okay. um, in public spaces. You've already seen that in Larimer County. We haven't had them in Wall County for a while. Yeah. I don't think we're there yet for uh, removing masks at the university yet. Okay. I think we're such a large campus with over 10,000 people here right. uh, that are obviously in close quarters a lot of the time. I think we're going to wait for CDC and CDPHU guidance, the Colorado Department of, of Public Health and Environment, to really give us guidance. And we're also talking to other universities in Colorado before we make a decision. But I think we're getting, we're getting pretty close uh, 
to you know, hopefully being able to remove masks in the months to come. It might be after spring break, okay. um, but I think we're getting pretty close. Now, to answer your question, if there's another spike, another variant, let's hope, uh, let's hope not. Okay. Now, we, I will tell you, I think that we have done a remarkably good job of addressing everything that's come, to, that's come at us with this, whether we've come together as a campus and addressed the mask issue, addressing the vaccine, uh, or even the booster to keep us healthy and safe. Uh, we'll do the same thing. You know, at this point, after two years of this work, uh, this the leadership team of this campus, as well as the faculty and staff and students, have really become uh, you know very flexible in understanding of the work that has to be done. And that will continue on this campus. Uh, cool. All right, so President Andy had a very you know a hard question. I'm sure his team helped prepare right for that. So kind of how did you think that he helped acknowledge, move, and redirect? Or if you don't think he did that, kind of give, give a little, little hint to that as well. coming in definitely um oh perfect all right so yes a lot of you pulled out the jokes that is also something that i wrote down it's like acknowledge okay you know we can we can make a joke about it Ooh, that is a great way to like okay we're going to to do this he also circled back and even was like okay i know you actually asked this question so both of those are good examples of acknowledging right and then yep his kind of move in that that act uh, answer was pulling out some stats, kind of talking about how things are on the, the decline, um, and then moving into ultimately the redirect territory of let me tell and remind you how well we've done at UNC um, and kind of answering it after he bought himself a little bit of time. And that's really why we like this acknowledge, move, redirect formula, because if they acknowledge it in their head, they can like kind of remember, and you can kind of talk, that move is really that transition by yourself a little bit of time to ultimately allow your client to have that, that internal composure to redirect it in the way that you had hoped for, trained for, pulling out again the highlights that you really want the message to be sent. Excellent job, yay. All right, so as we're wrapping up, one big thing to remember, off the record isn't real. Don't ever let your client be like, oh, well, I said it's off the record. Like, no, just tell your client if there is something they do not want the press to know, they should keep their mouth shut. 
if you say it, it is going to end up somewhere. So a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, what about like an off the record? No, no. At best, the information shared will just be you know, from an anonymous source, from a source close to the company. But the information itself is never really off the record. Absolutely, it can be used. So just tell them, don't say it. Just don't say it if we don't want it out there. Oh, we'll follow up on Monday. So spoiler alert, I'm going to give you a little review quiz on Monday from what we talked about today. Um, and then the last kind of thing that I just want to uh, show you and remind you about. First, um, we can do what we call building a briefing kit basically and I have uploaded a template of this for you to look at in Canvas um, but really it's just the playbook for your client so all the things we talked about today you can put into this nice you know one pager that we just call the interview briefing kit um, and that is where you give them the background on who they're going to be talking to you have all that you know here's the examples here's our sound bites you want to go for here are the stories right that we want to remember you can outline in the book they talked about the rundown um, um, and so you can give them, here's the times, here's how long you're going to talk, all those details you want to make sure you have, and then make sure that you highlight that info. And so um, this is a great thing for you to practice. You can put it in your portfolio at the end of the semester. And of course, if you get um, an interview for your client, you should fill this out so that they are prepared and ready. And so in Canvas, what I have updated a few things with, first, um, and we will follow up with this again on Monday. Sean's class is on Tuesday and he invited you if you are interested, if your client's interested in having the video project done on them, uh, you can go to his class on Tuesday and like give your really quick like one minute pitch. Or if you can't make it, um, you can write the pitch out in an email, then he will give it to his class on Tuesday. Um, and so that's that. Uh, details, information, I'll remind you again on Monday if you're trying to go for that project. And then on the Friday, here's where you can access the media training brief um, that you can fill out to get ready for interviews. And then I have two practice assignments. Again, if you're like, yes, I, I want to work in PR, I want to practice these things, you should do it. And I will give you commentary and feedback. One is um, actually doing some media training. And then the other is practicing listening for like interview questions and like pulling out how a journalist might ask hard interview questions. Um, and so those are just some practice opportunities that you can work on if that's a way you want to supplement your educational experience. But I would love if you did that so I could give you feedback. All right, excellent work. Thank you for showing up today and have a great weekend. Goodbye, everybody, goodbye. All right, thanks, associates. So uh, the next, like next week, the next few episodes, uh, we're gonna talk more about you know setting up kind of photo ops, video ops. 
um, like press announcements, but we're really going to focus actually the episodes a lot more on project management strategies and techniques um, because really at the end of the day, you know, setting up an event for a client um, relies on a lot more of those kind of coordinating and organization, being able to you know, keep track of what's going on, direct people, come up with like, you know, nice clean schedules um, and that kind of prep work. So we are going to focus a lot more on project management as it, you know, helps us uh, set up really good events. Um, and we'll also talk a little bit about you know, just basic photo video skills. You know, this class is not directly about content creation, so you'll draw on your other, you know, classes and knowledge, but we'll cover, you know, some of the basics. Um, So that way uh, it will actually lead really nicely into the following week, which we'll talk about social media um, and especially more and more. It's like if we're setting up a photo op, yes, we might the press, um, but certainly um, as PR folks, we might be really involved in capturing some of that content to deliver to our social and digital media teams as well. I look forward to that and let's go team PR.